G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Turning our attention to the sorts of things that we might describe as spiritual substance of the praise and worship songs that we sing in church. And let's not shy away from controversial topics. You might have your own thoughts on all types of contemporary Christian music. Our churches usually pitch their praise and worship music style to a particular age group and there's some suggestion that some new music sometimes has missing ingredients. So our conversation today about the substance in the songs we sing. And let's not be too precious. You hear a lot of great praise and worship songs on the radio too. Now, we all have our favourite worship songs, worship styles, how loud we like it, and even the preferences that we have for the decor of our local church that creates an atmosphere. And so in cathedrals, they might be hundreds and hundreds of years old, and anyone who's been overseas to Europe and other nations, cathedrals, and with more traditional liturgical churches, well, the atmosphere the choir, the elements of the service build a whole worship atmosphere. And in many contemporary churches these days, there's a full band, blackened walls, strobe lighting, even a smoke machine. But whatever church you're a part of, it seems that there's always someone in church who can't stand the music. For some, the songs are too focused on the self and not on God. For others, it's only hymns that strike the right chord. Our special guest today I've invited in, not because he's a worship leader, because he's not. I've invited him in to talk about this topic because he's a lecturer in biblical studies and theology and sociology. He is what you would consider our Australian expert on mega churches. His name is Dr. Sam Hay. He's joining us, the author of the book called Mega Churches, and is about to present a paper at an international online conference addressing some issues around praise and worship, the benefits and limitations of contemporary Christian music. Dr. Sam Hay, a special welcome along to 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's great to be with you again. Well, Sam, this is an area you've been obviously thinking through because you're about to address an international conference conference on this. And uh, when I say you're the expert on mega churches, uh, that was your PhD uh, that was done around those issues. You're a member of a mega church uh, in Brisbane, in Queensland, and uh, one of the ten largest churches in Australia. Uh, you do love the idea that there are mega churches, and let me just uh, throw this to you as we get the conversation underway, the idea that oftentimes our churches have grown to be mega churches because of the music style, because of their praise and worship. What are your thoughts around that? 
I think uh, many people have shown interest in the reasons um, and implications of the growth of very large churches. Just like we've got very large shopping centres, there's a lot of uh, benefit and uh, there's a lot of resources available in a mega uh, mega church, a very large church that can uh, give you music like you've not had before, give you large screens, um, uh, give you a lot of uh, resources, a lot of programs. And uh, many people see the benefits of these large churches. Churches, but just like they complain about our large shopping centres and uh, other large developments, you'll also get complaints about the uh, uh, smaller churches, but uh, uh, bigger churches and smaller churches. Uh, but I think it's also important to recognise that uh, God values uh, every size. I think He values the big church, He values the small family group, He values uh, um, the churches in between, and uh, so I think every church size is valuable. They all have a significant role to play. I think you're touching on something particularly important here, that it's not the size of the church that you're a part of that makes your spiritual involvement a success, because when we're coming to connect with God, uh, some connect better in a small church environment than in a big church environment. But, you know, there's some that loves the big church environment because they do, they do like the, uh, the the music style and the, the bright lights and, the you know, it's a very contemporary setting. So the contemporary setting, this is an interesting one because you say, you know, shopping centres. Well, shopping centres are always upgrading to what is a new contemporary look, always trying to meet the, the needs of a new generation. Is that the way churches work too? Oh, very much. I think um, different sized churches can meet different needs. If you're wanting to produce a CD and DVD and put uh, fifty or seventy thousand dollars into producing it and distributing it, uh, then a mega church is the place to go to. If you're wanting to uh, take your next door neighbour to a uh, small uh, gathering and they're afraid of uh, larger gatherings, uh, then a small gathering is going to be uh, a much better place. If you're wanting a preaching opportunity and you want to send off your resume to uh, Hillsong in Sydney, it may be a while before you get your preaching opportunity, but if you go to a a, a small gathering that's got 30, 40, 50 people, you may have more opportunity there. So uh, different sizes have different benefits, different opportunities. That might be a discussion for another day where you'd get your start as a preacher and a teacher because those opportunities are not there in the biggest churches, but they're there in lots of ways in smaller churches that are looking for someone to uh, to you know nurture their gift and their talent uh, to becoming a great servant of the Lord. Hey, I mentioned in the introduction, you've got this contrast between the cathedrals, uh, which have their own wonderful, spiritual, uh, empowered way of creating a whole atmosphere, and uh, they've been going for centuries, and there's something significant and special about those. But I also mentioned that modern churches, often with the music that is being presented, they have blackened walls. Sometimes people don't like the idea that their church looks like a nightclub uh, with flashing lights and smoke machines and uh, those particularly appealing to a younger generation. How much is the atmosphere uh, going to be a part of the experience that people have with their music that they're hearing? 
I think um, there are very much cultural differences between uh, different age groups and so churches often feel a pressure between the uh, younger people and the older people. Uh, my parents, grandparents and great-grandparents uh, faced a, a similar challenge. They were ministers in the Anglican Church north of uh, London and in the 1880s and 1930s what we call today uh, the worship wars um, uh, was a challenge back then. And one of the solutions they used then that can still be used today is to run different types of services at different times on the uh, weekend and so if you run a, a youth oriented service and uh, you're uh, um, going along with your um, uh wheelie chair or whatever then uh, if you complain about the language too loud you've gone to the wrong service and yep. the same with uh, vice versa if you go along as a young person and it's only organ music you might have gone to the wrong service as well so as our expert on mega churches is that the way a lot of our modern churches deal with the worship wars uh, they've got a separate service they've got a seniors group and the seniors meet and they have their music style and then they've got a sometimes even a family service and then oftentimes Times, uh, you know, letting the youth run loose and have their own service and uh, the music style completely different to what you might get in the senior service. I think it's important to recognise the unique culture of the uh, younger generations the teens, the 20 year olds, the uh, 30 year olds and if you give them a music style of the 50 year olds or 60 year olds it's going to be very hard to communicate to them and so I think mega churches are often driven by an evangelical um, evangelising recognition of the importance of the next generation, the younger generation coming through. They'll often employ and appoint younger people. Uh, They'll often give them the freedom to uh, write the songs. They'll give them the resources to develop those songs. And uh, they may not agree with the words that are being expressed, the romanticism that might be in the uh, words. They might not agree with the beat and the uh, style of music that's being used, but they realise they're doing a very valuable uh, job in reaching the next next generation that the church is going to need in the years ahead. You lead us here, Sam, to the idea that the songs that we sing have some level of substance and, you know, where the criticisms come one generation to the other, sometimes it's around this idea of substance and for people who can identify some wonderful songs that have even shaped their spiritual journey and then they look at some of the songs that are being sung by a new generation, there's sort of an easy criticism that flows across the lips and says that doesn't have the same substance that I'm used to. What are your thoughts on on the new music that is emerging now and the idea that substance is important here? I think you have to recognise the substance as the substance you're looking for. If you go to a fish and chip shop and uh, expect um, you're going to get Italian spaghetti, you've gone to the wrong shop. If you go to a spaghetti shop and get fish and chips, you're looking for the wrong substance. And so I think there are things in songs and that songs do that we may not recognise. That is, they have spiritual value, uh, teaching value, therapeutic value, communal value. They bring us into a relationship with God. They're a bit like a a love song. Uh, That is, uh, if you um, write to someone you, you love, and say there are hormones flowing in my bloodstream that uh, cause me to uh, 
put uh, ink on um, paper. Uh, we're not using the right language. Uh, that is, um, these songs are often relational songs uh, about love, and uh, so we've got to recognise that um, that's part of what worship is about. And if we go to the songs and expect a lot of deep theological uh, teaching, you may be better get to enrol in the home group or enrol in the study group where you'll have time for that. Sunday morning is not necessarily where that's going to be offered during a song service. That's a really powerful thought because sometimes we can think of the lyrics of the songs and put them through our filter and say this is like an intellectual exercise. Uh, It's a theological exercise. We say, well, this is biblical and this is not, and we can sort of make an analysis of the song, but there's more to the song than even just the lyrics because, as you say, there's something that is switching on Something, and we might even say this is even a mystical, spiritual thing that happens when the music happens. Uh, What are your thoughts around the fact that the contemporary music, which might be different to what you're used to, actually is doing something in the life of that believer too? Or is the substance of the lyrics penultimately important? I think the lyrics are doing a lot of different things, especially uh, therapeutic uh, benefits, that is, People so often talk about how good they feel after a song service, a worship service, and they're very open to the sermon that follows on. And so there's a lot of uh, spiritual benefits in uh, opening one up to God and what he's doing therapeutic benefits in feeling refreshed and also there's a lot of communal benefits that is we're gathering with others singing the same song. One criticism that can come up as to whether they give enough time for reflecting on sin in one's life, enough time for reflecting on lament. That is, have I reflected on the disappointments in life? And sometimes people find that they just do not want a happy, clappy Christian song if they're going through a tough time. Sometimes that'll work for them. But for other people, when you've just lost a loved one, uh, when something um, challenging is happening in your life, uh, you want an opportunity to share your disappointments uh, with uh, uh, someone. We should have a, um, a radio line here uh, where people can ring up with their disappointments and uh, share their disappointments. <laughs> they might get crowded. Well, uh, you never know who might call. Let's, In fact, let's open the talkback lines. You might have your own thoughts on the conversation we're having today. This is 2020 with Neil. Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, our special guest today is Dr. Sam Hay. He's Australia's expert on mega churches. And you can join in our conversation. Talk back line open 1-800-316-316. You can respond to our Facebook question. Are today's praise and worship songs more about spiritual substance or entertainment? Uh, you can find that at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Uh, Sam, let's take a call or two. Let's hear from Kevin, who is in Batlow in New South Wales. Hi, Kevin. Welcome along. Hello, Neil, and hello, Sam. Great Hi, to hear Kevin. from you, Kevin. What are your thoughts? Well, I am a musician. My wife and I are musicians, and we've probably done a thousand and one performances in cathedrals and churches, and God knows what. And, um, it's always a very hot topic, this one about worship, whether it's hymns or choruses and, and so forth. But I think, you see, music is part of the, of the arts, and I don't think you can really start trying to 
uh, crush it down into a like a theological seminary or into literalism. It is artistic, and the words convey and paint pictures. And I think people need to understand that. And when we think of onward Christian soldiers, and when you think about that Gilbert and Sullivan, they write poems of Penzance and all them. This is a song written by Sullivan, and it's a militaristic song. And many of these old hymns are very militaristic and uh, imperialistic. And I, and I think from a point of view, the song must touch the heart. I think it passes the verbal consciousness and touches the very heart of people. So there is a change in direction from singing a package of theological rhyme to something that really touches you. And I think Christian musicians are Christian musicians. Uh, they're um, performing art on their instrument and their and their writings and so forth, if, you, if, if that makes anything clear to you. Kevin, that is great. Uh, Sam, your thoughts for Kevin? Oh, I love that uh, thoughts that it passes the verbal uh, consciousness. And uh, Jeremy Begbie, who's uh, written uh, on this in the US, has uh, talked about um, so much is happening in the subconscious. And this is where it uh, lifts you to great highs. Uh, just uh, like when you hug your mum or, or dad, it's not the words you say so much, it's the contact. And so um, music and the arts and poetry and story um, is so powerful in doing that. So I I think you've uh, touched on great points there, Kevin. Kevin, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Just before we take another call, uh, when we talk about passing this intellectual that we have, uh, we sometimes think of the peace of God that passes understanding. And that's not something we always can articulate in a verbal way, is it a little bit like that what's happening when we go into a praise and worship, do you think, Sam? Oh, very much. I think it's uh, these concepts of love, joy, hope, and the uh, peace of God um, that are very much communicated by uh, musical instruments. It's the beat, it's the tune, and we use that beat and tune at a sports match. We uh, use it when people go to war, as Kevin mentioned. It stirs that which is deep within, and uh, that's what we go to church for on Sunday, and that's why they grow large churches uh, with these very upbeat songs, because it touches something uh, deep within. And at times, it touches uh, deep challenges, hurts, disappointments, and together with uh, others as well. One of the things I love about the great songs, the hymns, the psalms, and uh, the choruses we sing is when they take us from an opportunity to say, hey, I was challenged, I was going through difficulties, but then they move on. We don't want to leave people with their challenges and difficulties. We want songs that will stir people and then lead them on to know the victory and hope that they can have in community with God and each other. The person who chooses those songs is a person with tremendous power and influence when it comes to the church service. Look, and I'm very mindful right now that those who are under lockdown conditions in Victoria are just not able to get together and meet with their local church and to have this communal and individual, as you say, expression in the body of believers and uh, really significant, uh, you know, as, uh, as we have our conversation, just mindful that those in uh, Victoria especially uh, are having some tough times. But then, you know, there have been lock-ins and people who have been isolated and all uh, missing out some of these deep things that happen when you get the saints together to worship God. Let's take another call. Dax is in Strathpine. Hello, Dax. Welcome. 
Hey, how you doing? Very good. What are your thoughts? Good stuff. Oh, I think this is an excellent topic. And uh, as I tuned in, I thought, man, I'd love to get involved and have a quick chat. Neil and Sam, thanks for uh, inviting me on. That's good. Yes. <laughs> taking my call. That's good. What are your um, thoughts then, Dax? Yeah, thoughts are, as a sinner, before I became a Christian, I, uh, I remember getting uh, quite aggressive a lot in, in my mind. And I used to lock myself in my car and, and listen to Simon and Garfunkel, you know. So as a sinner, I knew music had power to, you know, to, to do something. And it calmed me down. Um, but then when I got saved, uh, I started to, to kind of study. Just recently, I've started to study music. And I'm writing a sermon at the moment on Second Chronicles with Jehoshaphat where Jehoshaphat um, sent the choir out the front and, and, you know, pretty much the whole world was coming against him and, and, uh, and, and the armies were defeated with the choir. Um, that's in Second Chronicles. And I remember being locked up uh, recently uh, under lockdown. Uh, there was a couple of cases at my school in Queensland, so we were locked down for two weeks with corona. And uh, I was doing a bit of study and, and, I, and I kind of, reshuffled my music taste and I've just started listening to, to hymns and, and psalms and stuff like that and, and I was astonished to discover how much it really did help uh, in mind battles and, and overcoming temptations. Well, great and, stuff, uh, Dax. Think, Let's get a thought or two yeah. from Sam. Sam, what are your thoughts? Yes, uh, Dax is describing something that takes us a little deeper than just listening to a good song. Yeah, a lot of people are um, studying an area called music therapy these days in which uh, music is uh, used to help people of all ages to engage with those uh, deeper emotions, those areas that you can't voice and uh, they're hidden away and you can't find the words for. And I think that's one of the great advantages of music and song is that it touches areas that you can't give words to. And it'd be worth making a list of some of those areas. Dax, thank you so much for your call. We'll no doubt get lots of calls through the hour. Let's take another one. Mike is in Kelso in Tasmania. Hello, Mike. Welcome. Well, thanks. Uh, look, when I was coming to to, to the Lord Jesus, um, I believe God revealed to me that the reason I'm alive is to be a worshipper. And, and I sort of thought that that meant, you know, praise and worship well, it means a whole lot more, I understand. However, when I in the eighties when I got saved it was scripture in song and then I went to Bible college and it was Keswick hymn books and and I love singing along with Wren Collective and really, you know, the high praises of God in our mouth and a double edged sword in our hand we will do you know, God We'll march right up to the victory side. I know the song. It's great. Yeah. Mike? Uh, any thoughts for Mike here, Sam? I, I think um, you touched very well, Mike, on the way in which these songs are constantly changing. And um, a ministry leader was telling me the other day, culture is constantly changing and uh, we need to be attuned to the changes in our culture. Mike, did you have something more to add? Oh, uh, no, I just it's just a privilege to be able to worship the true God, not some pretend God. And I love the way you say you were called to be a worshipper. And so when it comes to music, this becomes the priority for you. And I know that some people will say in your church service, there's two sermons being preached. 
is the one that the pastor is going to deliver, usually after the praise and the worship. But the praise and the worship is in itself like another sermon. So when you're called to be a worshipper, honour to you, Mike. Run with that calling and do your best and and uh, make a difference in the, the, the lives of people who are a part of those who are in your circle of influence. Mike, thanks so much for your call. Uh, this idea of being called to worship, uh, you're going to be particularly interested, Sam, if you have a calling on your life and that therefore makes the praise and the worship so much more a part of what you do and who you are. You, I guess you can get into deeper stuff there. Uh, very much there's two aspects to call in our life. Uh, one is the special call where we're called, uh, I remember sharing with people in hospital and uh, uh, you have a special moment that's specially rewarding. And then there is the call in the everyday, doing the washing up, mowing the lawns and the other activities. And, and worship is so important in both those areas. Uh, worship in the everyday and then also to be able to encourage people, here's a song that I want to share with you. This can uh, really make a, a difference. So uh, all aspects of the call in our life worship's good for you know just uh, not too far out from news we won't take another call till after news but there's lots of people who are responding on our facebook post today the question i'm asking are today's praise and worship songs more about spiritual substance or entertainment we might get into some more entertainment orientation after the news but uh, liesel says i don't think it's one or the other the hymns of old were very scriptural but so are a lot of our modern worship songs. Uh, let's not say we're going to write off a whole genre of music here because it's modern and maybe it doesn't have the same scriptural content, but lots of it does. And it perhaps comes down to who chooses that content. We're going to go to news. Coming back, Dr. Sam Hay is our special guest, the author of the book Mega Churches. Gracie says, Worship is like a bowl of noodles. It can have as much meat in it as you want. I like lots of meat, music that moves me, not that makes me feel good. I believe modern music leans towards feeling good. What are your thoughts for Gracie as she's made that comment? I think um, we need to be aware of what we're going to get out of the different types of uh, service. So I think, as we said before, if you go along to a traditional service, that's what you'll get. If you go along to a modern contemporary service, then that'll reach the young people, draw more younger ones in and give them an opportunity to gather together to celebrate. Uh, the challenge you mentioned well is what's left out. If you get a bowl of noodles and it advertises that it's going to be meat or chicken and you find uh, very little meat or chicken in it, um, uh, then uh, that's the question. So I think one of the interesting questions today is, do you think there are some things left out of the uh, contemporary uh, songs? And if there is, um, what is it that's left out? A lot of our contemporary songs uh, focus on Jesus, and uh, some would say there's not so many aspects of the Father or the, the Spirit. Uh, many of our contemporary songs focus on the individual, and the individual's important. But uh, are they bringing the community together? We worship uh, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit, communally gathered together as one. When we gather together, are we communally coming together as one, or are we just focusing on the individual? There's a lot of things that could be missed out. Well, you've just opened up a whole lot of different dimensions we could go to. Uh, back to the noodle bowl, though. That's interesting because, you know, you can have as much meat in the noodle bowl as you want. Uh, 
but then someone might say, if I didn't know what meat I needed, uh, mm-hmm. then I might choose something that had no meat at all. And, uh, you know, if we talk about meat, the meat of the Word of God, uh, then you somehow or other would be missing something. Hey, you might have your own thoughts. You can respond. Our Facebook question at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. You can call us on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Julie in Queensland. Hi, Julie. Welcome. Hi, Neil. Thank you for taking the call. That's all right. I've had the pleasure of the Lord enabling me to write many, many songs. Um, I even at one stage had three Christian albums written out neatly, hoping one day I would be well wow. enough to do something with them. And a very wise minister that my husband and I, my former husband and I, was speaking with many years back, he was warning us of Satan masquerading as light in the body of Christ, even in some of the music. And uh, a couple of years ago, I did go through what I had written and I did destroy a couple of those songs because even though the words were good, I didn't feel it was of the Holy Spirit. And I agree completely with Larry Norman that why should the devil have all the good music? (laughs) Um, That's right. And look, now, as I'm maturing, I'm understanding that the spirit must be holy and the words must be truth, regardless of the music style. There must be honesty. And just this morning, I um, I have to confess, I switched to a local station and I heard a couple old-fashioned, honest country songs. And I was talking to the Lord about how they just touch my soul. And I was talking to him how about a lot of the Christian music just doesn't touch my soul. You know, the soul is where our spirit and our emotions meet. Our soul is who we are, the essence of who we are. And when we are born again in Christ, our spirit is born again and we renew our minds and, you know, our soul is better than we were before. And, and, you know, we are drawn to that which is honest and truthful and decent and godly and right as we walk with the Lord. And Julie, you're touching on a great set of points. And there's lots to pick up on and what you've been saying. And uh, let's get a thought here or two from uh, Dr. Sam. Sam, what are your thoughts for Julie? Uh, what really stood out to me was the word honesty. And that uh, one of the dangers that people point out is that occasionally uh, a church might just focus on the positive songs and not provide room and safe space for people to admit the difficulties in life, uh, give room for suffering and weak. It's good to celebrate with those uh, where things are going well, and particularly the young people. Things can often be going well, but it's important to also uh, give opportunity for those who've uh, gone through a divorce or those who've lost a loved one uh, to be able to come to the church and say, I'm hurting, um, I'm suffering. And so I think uh, we've got to meet both needs. You know, just to pick up on something that Julie said there, uh, tuning into another radio station and listening to Uh, good old country songs. Now, when we think of country music, uh, oftentimes people will say, oh, I'm not sure I like that country and Western because it's all about, you know, my dog's died and, Mm. you know, uh, all sorts of negative things. But 
As Julie says, there's something here that touches on the spirit, the heart, because we identify with the the hardship that's presented in songs like that. But, you know, you can get a lot of those celebratory modern contemporary Christian songs not looking into the hardship issues. What are your thoughts uh, for that? Uh, there's a song uh, called Highland Song of Ascent uh, by Joel uh, Houston, uh, where it talks uh, about um, if the mountains were to hide and uh, the struggles and challenges. And I think it's great when you're going through a tough time to meet someone else going through a tough time. I think it's great when a preacher gets up there. Uh, I mean, many preachers, it's nice when they say their world's going well. When a preacher gets up there and says, life is tough. My kids are giving me a hard time. The dog's giving me a hard time. It's good to be able to identify for people who are facing challenges. And when you get a sermon that does that and a song that does that, whether it's country and Christian, it's encouraging too. And, and that uh, in Jesus at the cross... God went through a hard time, came amongst uh, us and brought us to salvation through tough times. So that's important. Sometimes praise and worship leaders will spend time prayerfully considering the sorts of songs that they'll bring. Uh, If you're only ever bringing one genre or one style or one mood, then you might be missing the mark here, Sam. Uh, The idea of, of, you know, touching on those sorts of things. Uh, Life is hard. Uh, The message of the cross is not a pretty message. Uh, The message of the cross uh, is about the death of the Saviour. Uh, about sin having been dealt a final blow. We know that on Resurrection Day, there's great celebration of that, but there is lament around the cross. And so this getting a balance between the cross and the resurrection in that sense. So if you're talking about some contrast here, what are your thoughts for finding a balance? When we read the Psalms, they'll often take us through all the seasons of life. When we read through the scriptures, all the seasons of life and through the gospels. And I love a song that takes us through a number of seasons, uh, takes us through the five uh, steps of uh, God's big story in the Bible. That is, God makes a great world. He gives us opportunity, begins world uh, well in uh, Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, and uh, by Genesis chapter 3, humans, of course, some uh, problems. And then there's opportunity to repent, uh, seek forgiveness, uh, to turn around. The prodigal son takes us through the full story. So I I think um, songs that take us through the full story, uh, a message in church that takes us through uh, all the story. One of the challenges in church is that you can have uh, people going through many different experiences. And so it takes a very skilled uh, preacher and leader uh, Um, to uh, reach all of the age groups and all the different experiences that people are going through. I think we still have Julie on the line. Julie, uh, love that you've called in because you're a songwriter and you've been doing this for a long time. I think you said you'd written songs for three albums. I have, yes. At the moment, I I haven't been able to do any writing the past few years for songs because I've been too ill. What I wanted to ask you about... Cars are in storage. (laughs) What I wanted to ask you about, Julie, is the the songs that you decided to scrap. Uh, You said, well, they're just not going to cut the mustard. They're not good enough. Uh, Goes against, Mm. I guess, what uh, the pastor that you said, who had great insights uh, for you when you were writing songs... Uh, Well, I just, I determined there, I I remembered back to, at that time, I was in in partnership with various American ministries and watching and listening every day and praying for the Lord to show me the truth as to what they were saying was right and what they were saying was wrong. 
And even though I thought I could listen and discern and reject and eject anything that I didn't feel was accurate of God's spirit, you know, I felt the Lord saying no. I still subjected myself to dirty water. You know how we are to be renewed with the washing of the word? Well, when the word is um, dirty, when it's not clear, when it's not clean, when it's not true and honest, you you pick up on a bit of that dirt and a bit of that dirt got into my songs and I was being religious and I was, um, I was you know, writing... There was a little bit of false teaching mixed in there. So Julie, this is just uh, wonderful what you're sharing because uh, you could talk about the elements that you leave out of a song and say it becomes less spiritual. Here's another challenge, and we'll get uh, Dr. Sam's thoughts here. When you are so religious in your songwriting and so impressed to include some things in your song lyrics that this actually takes you into a level of legalism and uh, pushes you too far the other way, that in itself is going to be a challenge, isn't it, Sam? Oh, very much. Uh, I think um, your parents, uh, when they're raising you, uh, don't set the bar so high, um, and, and yet they could because um, uh, we're weak, we're frail, and, uh, and I think um, songs need to communicate love, inclusivity, and it would be very easy in songs to be judgmental. One of the great secrets of a great story, a great song, is when you can identify with it, when it touches our humanness but doesn't leave us there, it lifts us into heavenly places and into salvation with God and Jesus and the Spirit. Julie, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. Let's see if we can get a few more calls on. Steve is in Parks in New South Wales. Hi, Steve. Welcome. Yeah, g'day, uh, uh, Brother Neil and Brother Sam. <laughs> I just rang up to thank you and, and, and your previous caller, Julie. Um, she was fabulous. You know, uh, for your, I can only describe it as Savlon for the soul, <laughs> given the hatefulness and the spitefulness, the deception, and uh, people wanting to uh, take delight in tearing little and disadvantaged people down. You'll hear them so often in commercial radio, their spitefulness. Oh, they're just their utter contempt. <laughs> Steve, what have you got to say about today's topic on this praise and worship music, the sort of songs we sing? Well, just thank you for Savlon for the soul. <laughs> the musicians and, and the talkers and people you know, like yourself and Brother Sam and Julie who just rang. Yep, Steve, thank you for calling through because this is very interesting, isn't it? Sometimes we minimize the spirituality of the music in favor of what is the spoken word, but we just know that the ministry is happening not only in the spoken word, but also in the music. Thank you so much for your call. Let's take another call. Mary is in Bega in New South Wales. Hi, Mary. Hello, how are you? Good. Mary, what are your thoughts? Well, after listening to everybody, uh, it can only come back to what's personal for myself as a worship leader in our own very small church, uh, because this has been a very controversial topic throughout my whole Christian walk. As a worship leader, you can come up against it all the time. I'll try to get to the point. Um, what has come home to me is the worship is a lifestyle. It's not a song. 
what we do when we come before the throne in song doesn't matter about the genre, doesn't matter about anything, the song in, in itself. What matters is the heart. If I'm singing a song and I'm singing in worship before the Father, He is going to hear my heart of worship. If I'm there just to recite lyrics, then I'm not connecting with the Father. Mary, you are making some tremendous uh, points here. Uh, Sam, your thoughts for Mary? I know if a child brings me a drawing and it's not perfect, I don't judge them because of it. I, I see the child and I value the child, and I think it's the same in church. Uh, we need to value each other, and uh, when we sing a song, it's um, uh, we might have the word love in the song, but it's the people who are communicating it, it's the intention that's there. That's what carries the message is the people around us. And Mary, you were saying that it's the lifestyle of the worship leader, so it's not something oh it's Sunday time for church we better switch on my spirituality and have some good songs to sing Uh, this is what you're saying is the worship leader in your church they are in fact when they get to lead the people in worship they're leading according to the lifestyle of worship they're already leading is that that's the sort of thing you're saying isn't it Mary it's not just the worship leader according to scripture a lifestyle of worship is what we're called to give the Lord. It is a sacrifice of praise on a daily basis. It's not a song. Mm-hmm. It's when we start to uh, put worship into this little box and say, okay, worship is only a slow song uh, set to this rhythm, and, you know, and praise is only a fast song, that's when we lose, I believe, that's when we lose focus. Mary, thank you so much for your call. Great input today on our conversation. And 1-800-316-316, although we're running out of time, so we props, we might put a line under the calls for now. Uh, you can respond and you can interact with other listeners to our conversation today on our Facebook question today. Go to facebook.com forward slash vision radio. The question that's being asked there is, are today's praise and worship songs more about spiritual substance or entertainment? Uh, let's top off our conversation here. I haven't even asked you, Sam, about the entertainment aspect of praise and worship songs. Uh, Give us a little insight here. We're asking people to respond today. Spiritual substance, entertainment. What are your thoughts on the entertainment value of the songs we sing? Certainly people do go to church to enjoy the song and the experience, but uh, as we mentioned with the noodles, there can be some other ingredients missing out. Uh, A number of people, Walter Brueggemann, Old Testament scholar, and many others have said that lament is often left out. When you read the Psalms, uh, 40 to 60% may be lament. When you go to a contemporary uh, song, they might have a, a little statement about sin or sorrow and challenges in life, but they move on very uh, quickly to the hope-filled resurrection uh, that we participate uh, in. Um, then again, uh, the song may not be the opportunity or length of time needed to work through the lament. That is, every one of us can benefit uh, through reading Psalms. Every one of us can benefit from uh, small home cell gatherings. Every one of us can benefit from talking one to another and sharing the challenges in our life. Um, uh, the previous caller mentioned authenticity. I, I think it's good to meet with other people where we've got a chance to be authentic. And the songs are great, 
but we also need all the other ingredients that we find in our church. Sam, these days the technology is there for individuals to build their own playlist and you can create your own playlist of worship songs beyond your Mm. Sunday church experience. Mm. Uh, In fact, so many people no doubt will recognise it's wonderful to have contemporary Christian music and a mix of uh, a lot of great content on the radio station as we're listening to it now and we play lots of great songs but there is a sense you can make your own playlist but even then you could be overbalanced one way and uh, and not have a really great you know sound uh, meat and three veg type diet in the sort of playlist you might choose for yourself so it's good to be able to have the input coming from others who are spiritually mature and able to discern what God is saying that's an important element too very much so um that's the importance of gathering in church on a Sunday because there's uh, other people that we can uh, interact with. I, I saw a program on the uh, television the other day that talked about government uh, funding and support for sport because it built community and did good for people. And it struck me that churches are uh, building community and doing so much good for people all around uh, the country uh, because they give us a balanced diet. If we we're just at home and collecting one type of book to read or one type of DVD, um, uh, to uh, have uh, we miss out on the balance and so I think the church gathering is so very important where different people mix and uh, we get a balanced diet the preacher ensures that we get a balanced diet the song leaders we get a balanced diet that balance is so important A couple of quick things topping off our conversation uh, we spoke to uh, Julie who was a songwriter And if someone is writing songs, creating music, creating albums, no doubt some spiritual oversight over that to be able to pinpoint and identify uh, where there might be an imbalance or where there might be some issues with lyrics and biblical content and those sorts of things, that's going to be an essential. And I imagine that there's a pastoral oversight that comes from maturity of a worship leader who really is, uh, you know, uh, been doing this for a long time, got a biblical foundation. No doubt that sort of insight to be offered as a mentor is going to be important. Very much. Um, God has made us creative and it is wonderful to express that creativity, writing a song or if you don't write songs, selecting songs, putting your own playlist together. Uh, We shape the life that we lead. We write our own uh, story. But it's important to have uh, those who've gone before us, who've got wisdom to encourage us and instruct us and resources that we can do a good uh, job uh, with that. So I encourage everyone, um, express your creativity, write songs if you can, um, listen to a good uh, choice of uh, songs, get a balanced diet in songs, um, but also interact with others that can uh, help give you more of a balance in your life journey too. And as we... Topping off here, (laughs) there seems to be one more thought after another, but just to encourage listeners today, sometimes we think, well, the songs we're singing in church, uh, this is just a little sideline, it's not so important. But a thought comes to me, you know, the music of praise and worship creates the largest live music venue celebration in the country. Some people say, well, uh, you know, well, there are nightclubs and there are concerts on and you know there's the uh, you know there's the, uh, the the music charts in the mainstream media and there's music uh, concerts and uh, festivals and all sorts of things well the largest live music expression in the country is coming from the local church 
It's like every local church has its own music uh, context. There's a lot of churches have their own bands. Uh, the opportunity for people to play to an audience happens in a local church. So a very significant celebration to talk about when we discuss Christian music in church. Dr. Sam Hay has been our guest. Uh, he wrote the book Mega Churches. He's about to present a paper at an international online conference addressing the benefits and limitations of contemporary Christian music. Can anyone join in that conference, Sam? Or is it a you know? Or you yeah, you know? Can you register so. and be part yeah, of that? Online. Yeah, check it out. How online. do you how do you find that? What's what? Yeah. So uh, Tanya Richards uh, from Sydney is helping organise it. Birmingham University from the UK. Um, if you type that in, um, Mega Church Worship Conference uh, Melbourne. Um, then I'm sure you'll be able to find that online. I think there might be people who are interested uh, in hearing what you've got to say, hearing what other really well-matured speakers are going to have to say about praise and worship, a really good opportunity. So uh, do that Googling. Find out where that conference is going to be on. Birmingham University, you mentioned. Yeah, and also uh, go to um, the Vision Facebook. If you want to try my Facebook, Sam Hay Facebook, you'll find me there and I'll put some information up on mine and the Vision one. You'll be able to find it. Uh, Other places people can go. I mentioned uh, you're a sessional lecturer at the Christian Heritage College in Brisbane, chc.edu.au. Fabulous uh, institution to get some higher learning in a whole lot of different uh, dimensions. Uh, also, Alpha Crucis College, ac.edu.au. Sam, great getting your insight today. We'll do this again sometime soon. Thanks so much for your input on 2020. Thanks, Neil, and thanks, everyone. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.